0: meet this group of people and be a part of us. So I'm grateful that he did that. I'm grateful that he brought me here. I'm ready to worship this morning and I trust that you are as well. Would you join us and stand as we begin our worship service? We'll begin with prayer and then some great uh songs of hymns and scripture songs. So let's pray together. Father, um we don't take it lightly that you are the sovereign god of the universe uh, we recognize it in everything we see uh, just sitting out last night and, and seeing the clouds roll in, it was amazing it was like it was so beautiful and sunny and 20 minutes later it was like an unbelievable powerful storm was there uh you are amazing in the way you run this earth. You're amazing in the way you run our lives. We see your sovereign hand in so many things and it's going to be amazing when we get to heaven and see the millions and millions of sovereign things you did in our lives we never saw. As you led us and guided us and protected us, drew us to yourself. You are an amazing, awesome God, and we come this morning to worship you. Just pray that you'd use these songs to encourage our hearts, remind us again of the God that we serve and how much you love us and the grace that you have lavished on us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start out with a song of praise. This is a a great uh, way to start. That we're going to be praising the Almighty. That's one of the names of God, the, the Lord of Hosts, the Almighty, the All Powerful, the King of Creation.
1: Praise to
0: the Lord. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, they're gonna cl- people. They were gonna scream already behind me here. Here we go. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be higher. Y'all gonna be in trouble.
1: Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. O ye who hear, now to His temple draw near, join me. To the Lord, who are all things so wondrously reigneth, shelters thee under his wings, yes, so gently sustaineth. Has thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted in what he ordaineth? Praise to the Lord, who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, if with his love he befriend. Praise to the Lord, let all that is in me adore Him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before Him. Let the Amen sound from His people again, gladly for I we adore.
0: One of the great things about our Christian life is looking and seeing in our past the way God has intervened, the way he has worked in our lives to lead us, to guide us, to protect us. Um, Oh God, our help in ages past. Sometimes I get a little fretful about things. I I have to admit that. I'll look and and wonder how things are going to work out and what I'm going to do, how God's going to work it out this time. And it's so silly because I can go back and look at a thousand times that he's done remarkable things for me, and yet I would doubt, well, maybe this time he won't, instead of recognizing it's the God of ages past who continues to be my help and my guide. Oh God, our God of of ages past.
1: to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood or earth received her frame, From everlasting thou art God To endless years the same A thousand ages in thy sight Are like an evening gone Short as the watch that the night before the rising sun. O oh God, I help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while life shall last, to our eternal hope. Be thou our guide while life shall last.
0: And our eternal home. Thank you. you. may be seated. Amen. Our lives are so short. You know, I'm, I'll be 68 pretty soon, and it seems like that. <laughs> but God, a thousand years in His sight are like just a yesterday. Eternity, amazing. The eternality of God. God longs. Think about that. God longs to be gracious to you. He desires to bless us. He he loves to lavish His grace and His mercy on us. That's the God we serve. The Lord longs to be gracious to us.
1: Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is the God of justice, how blessed are those who long for him, Therefore, the Lord longs Therefore the Lord longs Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious unto you Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Therefore the Lord long. Therefore the Lord, longs. Therefore, the Lord, longs. Therefore, the Lord longs. Therefore the Lord longs. Therefore the Lord longs. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious unto you. Therefore the Lord longs. Therefore, Therefore the, Lord therefore the Lord longs, therefore the Lord longs, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious unto you.
0: Another great scripture song taken from Isaiah when um, he had the awesome vision of seeing God seated on the throne. Um, One day we'll get to see that vision as well. We'll be in there in person and see God and Jesus Christ sitting on the throne, high and lifted off, exalted. I keep forgetting my capo, don't I? We're going to be in...
1: see the Lord seated on the throne. Exalted and the train of his robe fills the temple with glory. And the whole earth is filled. And the whole earth is filled. And the whole with his glory.
0: called someday and um, it's kind of like when we all get to heaven the all someday i'm going it'll be the undertaker or the upper taker i'm not sure which one depends on when jesus comes back but someday i'll be able to be in his presence and as steve teaches on the sovereignty of god um, the third verse in this says Someday I'll understand the fullness of God's plan, how His hand worked in my life from when it first began. I'll see the purpose of each day He gently brought me through. I'll thank Him for the tears of joy and the tears of sorrow too. For us, as I said, apologize, one day when we're in heaven, God will reveal our whole lives and how he worked in our lives. And it's going to be amazing to see the fabric that he wove together to make each one of us and to bring us to him someday. Someday I'll be free From my guilt and shame I'll stand before my Father In Jesus' holy name My sins are washed as white as snow Beneath the cleansing flood Seen by God in righteousness Bought with Jesus' blood Someday is coming It's just around the bend Someday is coming My earthly life will end It may be Jesus coming back Or me just homeward bound Either way is okay with me I'm getting tired of hanging round Someday I'll see again the ones who won the race, waiting for me to join them in their heavenly place. Those that I've loved on earth, at rest from all their strife, will share real joy in Jesus all our eternal life. Someday is coming, it's just around the bend. Someday is coming, my earthly life will end. It may be Jesus coming back, or me just homeward bound. Either way is okay with me, I'm getting tired of hanging round. Someday I'll understand the fullness of God's plan. How his hand worked in my life from when it first began I'll see the purpose of each day He gently brought me through I'll thank him for the tears of joy and tears of sorrow too Some day is coming it's just around the bend Some day is coming My earthly life will end It may be Jesus coming back Or me just homeward bound Either way is okay with me I'm getting tired of hanging round Someday I'll kneel at last Before my Lord and King Someday before the throne His praises there I'll sing With myriads of angels And all those saved by grace A song about His boundless love Seen in my Savior's face Some day is coming It's just around the bend Some day is coming My earthly life will end it may be Jesus coming back or me just homeward bound. Either way is okay with me. I'm getting tired of hanging round. Either way is okay with me. I'm getting tired of hanging round.
2: Good morning today's reading is in Isaiah chapter 40 uh, starting in the 10th verse and ending in the uh, 17th verse Uh, feel free to follow along in a Bible that you brought yourself or one in the pews or just be blessed by listening behold the Lord God will come with might with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or, as his counselor has informed him, with whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding, and who taught him in the path of justice? And taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Father God, thank you that, uh, Lord, that you do rule. And, Lord, you rule as the good shepherd, as described here, as Jesus himself declared himself the good shepherd. And thankfully, that Lord, that we, we know your voice, and I pray that we would listen. Uh, Lord, I thank you for... Uh, and praise you that that you have all knowledge and and Lord all wisdom that no one was your instructor that that you are the beginning and the end of all knowledge and wisdom and Lord, I praise you because you are higher than the nations Lord, I know that there's a lot of things in this world in this country that uh, that can cause us distress, help us to be comforted by the idea that that you rule, that that the nations are but a speck of dust and that you rule over them. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for uh, giving us a pastor, Pastor Steve, who loves your word, who loves you and loves us. I pray that you would put in his mind and his heart what you would have him teach us. And Lord, please give us ears to hear so that we would take to heart what we're being taught. In your name we pray, amen.
3: Good morning, good to see all of you here, Hope Bible Church, glad you could be with us on this Lord's Day, this first Sunday of the month, this Communion Sunday. Sixty years ago, Steve Altman was here in Tampa, and he was at a Baptist church singing these hymns. And All the hymns we sing, he pretty much knows them all. Sixty years ago, I was in Fonda, Iowa, going to a Catholic church, and the first hymn that we sang is the only hymn that I remember ever singing the Catholic church, Praise to the Lord Almighty. I love it. It's a great, great song there, but it's interesting. We're talking about God's sovereignty. God has brought all of us here together to this place, to this time for his purposes and glory because he is sovereign. That's our subject today, important subject, the subject of God's sovereignty. Sometimes we go along in life, and we just sort of doing our own thing doing our own thing, and we forget that God is personally involved in every person's life and everything that happens. Indeed, God is sovereign. But more than that, he's carrying out his plans. He's doing what he wants to do. He's fulfilling his purposes. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4, 34 and 5. Daniel 4. One of the clearest, strongest verses on God's sovereignty, I believe there is in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar just learned that, not going to tell you the story. End of that period, he'd been like an animal for seven years. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? Devil... He's the rule of this world, right? We know that, 1 John 5, 19. But God is the one who has rule and authority over him. God is the one who is the ultimate king of this world, and this world then is his kingdom. It is his dominion. And God is so strong, we read this, so strong, so much in control, that it seems like, and this is in Isaiah 40, that people are nothing. That's what it seems like. and as It says there in Isaiah, all the nations are regarded as, as nothing before him, or even then less than nothing. Just to give us a picture of God's sovereignty. And all things that God does are in accordance with his will. We see that he does what he wants with the host of heaven. That's referring to the demons. That's referring to the demonic beings. That's referring to the angels. He's over them all. And he does what he wants with the peoples on this earth. Indeed, the Lord is sovereign over all things. No one can hold back his hand. No one can, can tell him what to do. No one can question him. Psalm 135 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. Turn your Bibles to Romans 9. Many examples of this. We'll be looking at a number of the weeks ahead here. Romans chapter 9. You're going to see it's a huge subject. I was just talking to somebody this morning, and and if I... Put subjects in terms of importance. There's a lot of important subjects, but I would put this subject in the top ten. Very, very important. We understand it. Verses uh, 17 to 20 of Romans uh, 9. The Scripture says to Pharaoh, "For this purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth." So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Tough verses, aren't they? Some people don't like these. This is God's truth. God is sovereign. He's in charge. He's in control. He does whatever he wants to do in the world. And there are no accidents. You might have heard about the Big, big, big train wreck in eastern India. 288 people died, hundreds, hundreds injured. On one hand, we can say it was not an accident. He said, Well, wait, Yeah, yeah, God's sovereign. God, in his working, allowed that to happen, or some would say caused it to happen for his purposes. The truth is this, is that things in this world don't just happen if God doesn't want it to happen, okay? That's what we understand. God is sovereign. He's intimately involved in every person's life, everything that takes place in this world. Proverbs 16, 9, a verse I've been, said many times through the years, man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his step. So today, you plan your way, you plan your day, you plan the things you want to do, the places you want to go, the people you want to see, and you know what? God directs your steps. So yesterday, think about your yesterday. Go back in your mind, review what happened. God directed every step. You might have planned out your way, God directed Okay? That's the truth. Proverbs 19, man, pl- man, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. You have all kinds of ideas, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of plans, but God will do what he wants to do in the end. So God's the king. God is sovereign. There's no other God or being that has power over him. That tells God what to do and that's the way it has always been and that's the way it always will be Psalm 92 talking about God's eternality before the mountains are born or you gave birth to the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting you are God let me read from A.W. Pink his chapter on the sovereignty of God First chapter, he says, The sovereignty of God may be defined as the exercise of his supremacy. Infinitely elevated above the highest creature, he is the most high, Lord of heaven and earth, subject to none, influenced by none. Absolutely independent. God does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases. None can thwart him. None can hinder him. So his own word expressly, expressly declares, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Divine sovereignty means that God is in fa- God, is God in fact, as well as in name, that he is on the throne of the universe, directing all things, working all things after the counsel of His own will. Good definition. God indeed is sovereign. Now, the Bible tells us why God can be sovereign. That is why he then has the ability to be sovereign, why he can be controlled and relates to his character. I'm going to summarize just a few aspects of his character that relate directly to the fact that God is sovereign. First, God is all power. By his power, he created the world, sustains the world. That means he sustains you. According to scientists, you have about 30 trillion cells in your body. You know how many atoms are in each cell? 100 trillion more. 100 trillion atoms in each of your cells in the 30 trillion cells. That's a lot. And you know what? God is keeping every one of the little old cells going. about haven't talked about the, talked about the, the protons, or the neutrons or the subatomic particles in each of your atoms. He does that for every one of us here and the whole universe, and he always has and he always will. And if you're sick, if you've got some cells in your body that aren't feeling so good, God is sovereign over those two. He knows what he's doing, okay? You understand? God indeed is sovereign. His power to do anything has power over everyone and everything. Number two, God's omniscient. He knows everything about everyone and everything. Psalm 139, one of the better chapters on this just verses two and four you know when i sit down and when i rise up you understand my thought from far afar so let's talk about next sunday let's talk about june 11th god knows all your thoughts that you're going to have next sunday isn't that amazing he knows all the thoughts you had 10 years ago or 20 he can it's all there he knows it all he's omniscient he knows the past, the present, the future about everyone and everything. Third, God is all wise. He has infinite intelligence and wisdom. God made the universe and he knows, knows how it should operate. And this universe is huge. This is huge. I mean, we're not, we on this little earth, or we're in this little old Tampa, but this universe is huge and He's keeping everything going. He knows how it. He has the wisdom to keep it going. He knows what should happen. God made people. God knows how you should live. He knows how you should think. He knows how you should operate physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. He knows all these things, okay? He has the wisdom. He knows what's right for each one of our lives. Amazing how God is like that. He knows how our church should operate, right? He knows all things. He knows about this country. you think about this country, this country's got problems. God knows exactly. He could fix everything in a split second, (laughs) He knows exactly what's going on in this country. Every person, every family, every little village, every city, every state, this whole country, and the whole world. Now, but, but I want to just say one more thing to, to, to clarify. I talk about wisdom. We can talk about wisdom, how to make things work, but, but the important point here is, is spiritual wisdom. You know, we talk about having common sense, you know, and that's good to have common sense. Talk about spiritual wisdom that God has that relates to him and his purposes and his sovereignty. And so God does, all that he does is in complete accordance with his will and his perfect, perfect wisdom. Next, God is holy. That means he's unique, set apart, far superior to every other being, every other person on this earth. There is no one like him. God is God. Turn to Psalm 89. I believe these few verses say this as good as any in the whole Bible. Psalm 89. Psalm 89, verse 6. Who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? A God greatly feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all those who are around him. Those who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like you, almighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. So again, he's, he's supreme. He is sovereign. He is totally unlike anybody else. And this word holy means this it means that he is pure and holy and righteous that he doesn't sin and his thoughts words or actions that's true but also it means he's unique and completely set apart and because he is holy then then he's just and he's righteous he can't excuse sin he can't let it go he must punish all that is wrong all that is evil all that is unrighteous next god is loving he's kind compassionate. he has a special place in his heart for each person in this world and you know why Because each person in this world is made in his image. That's one truth that's probably been trampled on as much as any in our country, in our world, the last number of years. It really messes things up. Understand you are made in his image. That is so, so important. Every person is made in his image. So he loves all people. He's good, gives what is good. He gives us food and relationships and personalities and creation. I love looking at creation. I've mentioned it before, but. I think a lot of you have seen some of those nature shows in PBS. It's just amazing. You, you know, you go down to the depths of the seas or the mountains or here or there. Wow! All these different kinds of animals. Amazing. Amazing. My backyard, we have the burls, birds and the squirrels. In fact, yesterday, Marsha witnessed a little fight. It was a hawk that came down and got the dove. You know, the feathers were flying. But God is good. He gives us creation. Last Sunday, Marsha and I uh, planted two fig trees. Today or tomorrow we'll plant a moringa tree. I mean, God gives us these things. It's, it's beautiful. He's good in this way. Matthew 5, 45, he causes his son to rise in the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And God is forgiving through his son, Jesus Christ, who was punished for our sins, who paid for our sins. Our guilt can be taken away. We can be forgiven. And those then who turn to Christ, who turn to God and and admit their sin, confess their sin, repent of their sin then, and believe that Jesus Christ is a Savior, the Lord and Savior, that he died to pay for their sins, they then are forgiven. It's a wonderful truth, most important truth. And so God then has a purpose for this world and for every person in this world. God didn't just create this world and the people on it and let them go do whatever they want. It may seem like that. You think about what's going on. oh All that has happened, I mean, all that has happened in the past, historically speaking, all that has happened and all that will happen then is in accordance with God's eternal sovereign plans and purposes. And so because, something is part up here, because God is good, because he is holy, because he is omniscient and wise and giving and forgiving and loving and all these things, then he can be sovereign and he can then rule and he then can fulfill his purposes. So all I'm saying then is that God's sovereignty, the truth, the character quality of God's sovereignty is one that's built and stems from and results from the fact that all these other character qualities God possesses. God could only be sovereign. He couldn't be sovereign if those other truths weren't true, but they are true, okay? So God then is sovereign. And this truth that God is sovereign enables him then to per- fulfill his purpose. He has to. That is, you, ha- you have to connect God's sovereignty with his purpose, Okay. connect his sovereignty with his purpose nothing can stop God and no one will stop God and no one will thwart God then from him doing his plans that's because God is God because he is sovereign because he is in control again because he does whatever he wants to do Psalm 33 says the Lord nullifies nullifies the counsel of the nations so the nations they all got their rulers and leaders and and they, they do certain things But God also nullifies, just can, and at times stops them in their tracks. He says he frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. So people, all of the world, have all their different plans, and God has his plans. His plans will be fulfilled. That's what's going to go. That's what's going to happen. That's what we have to understand. God then isn't sovereign for no reason. He's sovereign because he wants to accomplish his will. He wants to carry out his plans. And because he is sovereign, then he will. Very important. You think about this. Eternity past, God has had his purposes. All of his purposes are being accomplished. Nothing, nothing, nothing is happening unless God wants it. Nothing has happened unless it's part of God's plans and purposes. Okay, let's look at some examples of this. We're going to look at two chapters today. If you're in Psalm you just flip a few pages to the right. Go to Psalm 93. 93. What I'm looking at today is the big picture. Next week, weeks after I'm not sure if this is a two, three weeks or four weeks. There's so much here. Next week is the details. This week is the big picture, okay? And so we look at some Psalms to get the big picture. Psalm 93 The Lord reigns, He's clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding ways. More than the sounds of many waters and the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So the first phrase is what? The Lord reigns. What does that mean? That means that God is sovereign. That's what it means. It starts off that way. It's a good way to start off this psalm. He is sovereign. That means he's the king, the ruler of this world. And so what does it say about his rulership? What does it say about his kingship in this psalm? Just a few things. We read that he's strong. By his strength, he established this world. And it won't be moved. I like that. We think about this world and, you know, people think, man, there can be some kind of Meteor, or super volcano, or some nuclear war, or AI, or climate change, or EMPs are going to destroy nothing. Nothing's going to move this world. You get so crazed about these things; they don't read what God says in His Word. Nothing's going to move it. So here we have this earth. Let's think the big picture, okay? We got this earth. The sixth, it's um sixty. Okay, it's thirteen times ten to the twenty-fourth pounds. That's thirteen billion times thirteen billion billion pounds. You got this. Big, heavy, psh, globe. 13 billion, billion pounds. It's going 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. It's 93 million miles from the sun. And if it was moved off its course, a million miles. If it slowed down or sped up. If it weighed too much, it weighed less. You know what happened? We'd either freeze to death or boil to death. That's it. People get afraid of this climate change. That's not going to happen. He's understand God's word. It just the craziness of that. It's just crazy. The science says what God says here, the earth won't be moved. It's moving in this, we got this solar system. And this whole solar system is moving through the Milky Way, and the whole Milky Way is moving in its path through this universe. And God has it all figured out. I mean, it's wow, it's it's mind blowing. It is mind boggling. It is incomprehensible what's going on. God is sovereign. It's, it's, and it's a wonderful, it's such an important truth that we see this. He's mightier, stronger than the seas and the pounding waves. The ocean is his ocean. The waves are his ocean. Back years ago, we, back in the 90s, we lived up in the D.C. area. We vacationed at um, Virginia Beach. Then we came down here. We started, we like the beach, okay? So we came down here. We started vacation at Panama City. That was our summertime with the kids, taking a week off. And you see the waves. God is illustrates here he says I'm over all these waves every wave that pounds every single one every every speck of sand which leads us to Jeremiah 22 Jeremiah 5 you got to see this there's four or five verses like this that are classy that basically disprove biblically so and I would say scientifically that climate change isn't going to happen in terms of the flooding okay that's what I'm saying I'm talking about the flooding part of the climate change here Jeremiah 5 verse uh, 21 chastising the people gives this illustration. Verse 20. Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I've placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree, so it cannot cross over it. Did you get it? The water can't cross over the sand. I'm not saying the water might not go up another half inch in the next hundred years or go down two inches in the next thousand years. But it can't go over the sand. God is sovereign. He says it very clearly. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot cross over. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They've turned aside and departed from me. I love this truth. Isn't this good? Isn't this encouraging? <laughs> so important that we understand this in our lives, in our hearts. Mark four thirty nine. you know the story. storm out there with Jesus and the boat. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, hush. Be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. God's sovereign. God does what he wants to do with every, every, everything. That's what happens. So we read that God is eternal. We read that he's from everlasting. So God has always been sovereign. God always will be sovereign. That's what's going on. And and just in fact, I'll just say it now. A simple application is this week. I want you to think about how God is sovereign in your life this coming week. And he will be. It's a very important truth to understand. And, and one thing, if, if you're older, I say that in quotes, you have an advantage because you can look back over the years and say, wow, look what God did there. You know, God moved me from Fonda, Iowa, you know, and here, there, and I'm down here now. God is sovereign. It's, it's a beautiful thing to think back over your life and see how God's been sovereign In your life, the different events, relationships, different things that take place. So remember that. That's the lesson today. God is sovereign in our lives and in our families and in this church and in this city and in this country. God is sovereign. Read that God is holy, which means he's completely set apart, distinct from every being, angel, person. God is holy. God is sovereignly holy. And that God is holy means that he's also righteous and just and therefore sovereign. And because God is holy and just and because he is sovereign, then he executes justice and he's continuing to execute justice. I wrote this in a blog post. I think there's a few left there from last week. It just came out. Prophets punishing message for the end times. Prophets more than any other collection of books in the bible make it very very clear that he judges sin so this country is being judged right now all the people that are coming across the border i'm not saying it's bad god is sovereign god is sovereign and it's not for the gospel but god is sovereign over that okay and there's thousands coming i don't know a million or two a million every year 300 people die a day of fentanyl a lot of that fentanyl come across the border that's a hundred thousand a year. God is sovereign, but it's a judgment, right? That's right. Our debt, thirty-one point eight trillion dollars. That's a lot. A lot of discussion the last couple weeks about our debt. I'm not going to go into it. It was eight, seven or eight trillion back in '08. It's gone up a lot since that time. That's not good. That you look at a little chart, math, the trajectory. And they passed this other bill, which, well, in my opinion, I don't think is very good. Because we're going to have another $5, $10 trillion in the next few years, and that means more inflation. That means an unsteady economy, okay? But God is sovereign. And so my my wife and I, that's one of the biggest things that helps us go through life, whether it's personally or whether it's in the world, our family, our children. Okay, God's in control. Just sit down, hush, be still, and know that I'm God. Okay? Very, very important. So God then can be sovereign because of his character. The character that's stated in Psalm 93 is that God is powerful, eternal, and holy. Those are the three qualities mentioned in that chapter. Okay? And what's interesting is, is, is because he's sovereign, then he can fulfill his purposes. So we have to see this. God is sovereign because of all these character qualities. He has a purpose, and he carries out his purpose because he is sovereign. Right? That's what's going on. And, and what's, what are the two things? And this is big picture stuff. It's really good. The two things that God is sovereign over, as depicted in this chapter, Psalm 93, is God is sovereign over the whole world. He's got power, might, Sovereign. And he's also sovereign over his testimonies, that is over his word. So God's sovereign over the world, and he's sovereign over his word. Think about that. Those are two big things. Over this world and everything that's going on, and over his word, because his word is truth, and his word will be fulfilled. Now we go to another chapter, Psalm 97, back to Psalm ninety seven Psalm ninety seven. The Lord reigns. Get it? He's sovereign. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him, burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings light up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteous. All the people have seen his glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad. And all the daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord. For you are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. So good here. We see that God is sovereign. And the message that we get from verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. And what's the last verse, the concluding verse? Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones. So the message here, simply, bottom line message, and then we, more details look in a minute here, is that we are to rejoice because God's in control. He's sovereign. Be glad. Don't be upset. Don't be down in the dumps. Oh, man, let's go. God's in charge. He knows what he's doing. You trust him. Okay? Be still. It's going to be all right. God is sovereign. So, um, because God is sovereign, then because he's in charge, we should rejoice and be glad. I mean, what would it be like if God wasn't sovereign? What would it be like if people did whatever they wanted to do? And I know sometimes you think, man, people are doing whatever they want. Don't you understand that God is sovereign and that God puts a limit on the evil that any person can do? Don't you understand that? God, people just can't do whatever they want. And if a person does evil because God is sovereign over that and allows a certain degree of evil in their life for his purposes, right? And so, people can't do whatever they want. But if, if, if they could, this world would be a terrible mess, and you'd really be getting upset and worried and anxious, right? You get a little worried and upset right now. I'm sure we all do to some degree. We're not perfect. I do. God's sovereign, okay? He's sovereign. Therefore, bottom line, we can be at peace and filled with joy. And if you're not at peace and filled with joy, whether it relates to something personal in your own life or something going on in this whole country and the world, then go back to the truth of God's sovereignty. Think about that. Meditate on that. Let that affect your heart and soul. So we see that, this, just a few more thoughts from this psalm. We see that God's righteousness and justice are foundational to his throne, that are key components of his sovereignty, of his rule over this earth. Okay? We talked about God's sovereignty is based on all these different character qualities of God. Here we're seeing that righteousness and justice are two key components. Okay, We read that that fire burns up God's enemies. That's pretty, pretty vivid. Because God is holy, because he is just, he must punish all his enemies. We understand that enemy, enemies are ones here in this context, are ones who are worshiping idols. But more than that they're boasting in their idols boasting in their money their possessions their things their sports teams whatever it might be okay all kinds of idols in this world all kinds they boast in it not good god is holy they should be worshiping god and god punishes those who don't do do worship him that's because he's holy because he's righteous because he's powerful he has the ability the right to punish people who aren't holy, and because he's sovereign, then he can do it. Estimates are, 333,000 people die a day in this world. That's a lot. That's right at a, quarter of a, right at a third of a million. 333,000 a day. According to Matthew chapter 7, majority of those are going to hell. Okay, let's just be honest. It says the way is broad for those who don't follow God, the way is narrow for those who do. It makes it very clear then that the minority are going to heaven. So it's a sobering thing. 333,000 people will die on average today, and most of them will go to hell. Whoa. But God is just, He is sovereign. And they will be rightfully punished. Turn to, turn to Luke 12. Luke, Luke 12, this is one little section, there's, there's a few like this. The one in Luke 6 I've mentioned is, is good where people are after fun, food, fame, and fortune. But this one here. Luke 12 16 to 21 it says that he told them parable the land of a rich man was very productive He began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain, my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. That really applies to a lot of people in this country because we live in a relatively wealthy country. You understand that? And we understand that. People retire. Okay, what can I going to do now? I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. That's how the majority of unbelievers who retire in this world think. That's it. That's it. It's sad. It's, very, it's sobering. It's sobering. We read, too, back to Psalm 97. We read about the presence of the Lord. That is, God is not hands-off. God is not distant when it comes to the affairs of the world. Okay? He's not. He's present. That is, he's present here. Here. In this room. He's present. He is here. He's actively involved in everything that goes on. And he is carrying out his will. That's what he is doing. We see that and talks about the lightning in Psalm 89. We understand lightning in, in Tampa probably better than most cities in this country. Maybe most in the world. Lightning capital, they say, of North America. God often uses the weather, the lightning, and the storms to stop you in your tracks. Right? Isn't that right? God wants you, and every person is to wor- every person in this world to know that He is on the throne, that He is sovereign, that He rules, that He does what He wants, and you can't do what you want. So last Thursday, I'm sitting at my desk in my office there, and I got a window. Sees outside, and I see it starting to rain. Started coming on pretty hard. I mean, we're talking, this is cats and dogs. This is this torrential downpour type rain. You know what I'm mean? saying? You've all seen it. So I go to the computer and look, wow. This is, oh, This is purple stuff here. You know, you know you've seen the radar? There's different colors. There's the green and the yellows, and then you get the red. That's, you know, orange. But the purple is, is one of the worst. Whoa. Is, you know, it's like we probably got two inches in 45 minutes an hour or something. But I thought here in Northam, because I, I could see where it was at. It wasn't down here at that time. It was more Carolwood up to Northam, you know, maybe a couple miles in length there, a mile or two in width of this purple part. I said, you know what? God had to have stopped every person who was out doing something. Either you were in your car, in your house, in a store, at a workplace, but you sure weren't walking outside in that. You're a complete fool. But the point I'm saying is this. God stopped people in North Tampa last Thursday afternoon with the weather. Right? And this other stuff, I can't, I can't, I can't this, this is amazing. Back in September, just seven, eight, nine months ago, whenever Hurricane Ian hit. You know, I, I just saw an article the other day just of somebody down in Fort Myers. They're still picking up the pieces. They're still rebuilding. God was sovereign over that storm. And the classic thing I'll never forget is when I saw that little picture, the weatherman doing the picture, and here we are in Tampa, and there was a line. This is a weather line that went from south of Tampa clear up through Orlando, and everything north of that was pretty good. That was us. Everything south was bad in general and further south. I said, wow, God was very kind to us. I'm not saying he wasn't kind to the people down south. I'm just saying he's sovereign. There was that line. I couldn't believe it. The way the atmospheric system, I and I'm no meteor. out. I don't know what's going on. There's just something up happened up there, and there's this pretty clear line. And the hurricane rode along this line. The boundary line was under us. I thought, wow. It's, it's something. So God stops us with the weather. You'll see it this summer. Many times he stops us in lots of ways. And because God is sovereign, then he's far, far exalted above all gods and idols. And so what we're saying by God's sovereignty, what he is doing, he is exalting himself. He is showing us that he is sovereign so that we then are humbled and so we then exalt him. That's a simple thing. But it's basic. God exalts himself so that you exalt him. But there's humility that needs to go on there, okay? If you're not exalting God, you're a proud person. That's that's all there is to it. God is sovereign. Now, Psalm 97 speaks of three groups of people who are affected by this. Sovereignty, there's the world, the unbelievers, they're humbled by God's sovereignty. There's judgments in the world, and that's we understand that. God's punishing the evil people. God is sovereign over evil. He'll take care of it. There's Zion, there's Judah, and the Jews, and, and God is sovereign over the Jews. You go back 2,000 years, and from 2,000 B.C. to the time of Christ, I mean, you got the Bible. you got Genesis 12 through Malachi 4, thousands of pages of stories of the Jews and how God is sovereign. You can write a book, I mean, explaining all aspects of God's sovereignty with the Jews on that time period. He, he had them leave there in 70 A.D. They're back in the land around the 1880s, and so now they're back in their land. They've been there 75 years since it became a nation. Just celebrated that anniversary a few weeks ago. They're back. And God will continue to work with them in the ages they come. That's what's going to happen. Then, thirdly, there's the, God's people, the believers. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. If you're here today, you're a believer, because God intervened in your life. God stepped in. And first of all, we can say he didn't punish you for your sins, but rather he showed you his truth. He revealed his light, as we see here in Psalm 97, and he saved you. He showed you mercy. That's what took place. And so we see that, and of course we understand too, and I love that verse in 2 Timothy four eighteen that God will protect us from every evil attack until we get to the heavenly kingdom. God is sovereign over the evil that takes place in and around you, and there's more than you realize. Only when you get to heaven you'll see, man, God really protected me from the bad things much more so than I ever could see. So all of all of this then should drive you, particularly the truth of the problem here in Psalm ninety seven, drive you to himself to love God and worship him and to hate evil. That's what we're saying. Love God, worship him, hate the idols, hate evil. And this then, what it says here, will result in you then being filled with joy and gladness and peace. That's what we're saying. Let's go to just a couple more passages. Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 11. Again, these big picture verses. I love big picture verses. And we all need to see the big picture, right? You get lost in your own little world, you're going to have problems. You've got to always see the big picture. Yeah, see what's going on in your own life and the people around you. That's good. But see that in context of the big picture. And I'm talking about what's going on now but what's going to happen in the future and this is a futuristic verse here verses 9 to 11. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times that is a summing up of all things in Christ things in the heavens and things on the earth also we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. That's a Romans 8, 28 type phrase there, which we'll get to in a minute. He works all things after the counsel of his will. So this talks about God's sovereignty. God is carrying out his will, his purposes for the people on this earth and for this earth and everything that takes place here. And his purpose that's stated very succinctly there is that all things will be summed up in Christ. This will take place in the fullness of times, which is future. That will take place when Christ comes back. Okay. That's what's happening. Now, we talked about God's sovereignty. And that as believers, God helps us to see his sovereignty in our lives and the world around us. But we can't see it perfectly, which is not there yet. When you get to this place here and when you are glorified and you're in heaven with Christ and Christ is in complete control, all things are being summed up to him. And it says in Philippians 2, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ. He'll be completely sovereign and we'll see it every day. Now he is, but we don't see it. Let's get it. We see some things, what God wants you to know. That's wonderful. I, I cannot wait. Can you imagine? Wow, look at Christ did. Look at Christ did. Boom, boom, here, just the, for a thousand years. And, and it's a progressive thing. I don't think it's something where all of a sudden, one day, everything happens. It's what happens in those thousand years is progressive in nature. He says he works all things after the counsel of his will. And this means that God is sovereign over all things from all of history and now here in the end times, it's all leading then to the return of Christ, the rapture of the church, the glorification of the saints, the salvation of the remnant of Jews, the judgment of the world, and then God's reign through Christ over this world. That's what's going on. So please understand that first. All that happens in this country, your life, is working all things after the counsel of his will. Oh, we need to know that, don't we? I, I, I really feel sad for so many Christians that don't understand this and there's many churches that aren't teaching this truth. How can, they, how can they live rightly? How can you have joy and peace and confidence and trust and have to know this truth in your head and in your heart? Romans eight twenty eight 28, two of the probably most familiar, most famous verses on God's sovereignty, 28 and 29. says, so We know we know that God causes all things to work together for good. That means you know that God is sovereign, right? You know it. We know. I know, I'm convinced, God is sovereign. Sometimes it's hard. I, you know, I had a, you know, difficult times this past week, different areas. God is sovereign. We know All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So we see that God is working in each believer's life. He is causing all things to work together for good. The good, and oftentimes this is where we miss. We make a mistake. We think about the details of how is God working things together for good in my life today. Well, he is. He is. That's true. But you've got to see the big picture because this verse, the next verse, tells you, his purpose that is the good then is expressing his ultimate purpose for you which is given to us in verse 29 which says for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren." so that's the good he's talking about in verse eight, twenty-eight, 28 is that you're going to be conformed that is that is your salvation is not completed now it will not be complete if you go to heaven before the rapture only when Christ comes back, only when you get a brand new body, only then will your salvation be completed. That's what he's saying. That's what it means. Conform to the image of his son. Another way to say that God will glorify you. God will give you a brand new body. That's what we understand there. So we talked about God's sovereignty. The fact that God is sovereign does not at all eliminate our personal responsibility, our responsibility as individuals, as Christians. So you walk away from here and say, wow. God's sovereign. I might, as well, I might as well just sit home back in my, my nice easy chair at home, put my feet up, you know, and, and if God wants to do something, he'll do it. <laughs> no. And I saw, I mean, my focus isn't on that responsibility. I could spend a whole message or two or three or five on God's man's responsibility. I, that's not my point here. My point is to emphasize his sovereignty. But I have to say this so you don't walk away thinking, yeah, Hogan there, he said we're well, sovereign and they're completely in charge and we just sit around. No, no. Acts thirteen forty eight as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And so there, God's responsibility or God's sovereignty, he appointed. Our responsibility is to believe. We understand, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed, you know, verse, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. I think that's Acts 16. Believe. We are commanded to believe. We're commanded to trust. Okay? That's the way it is. Proverbs sixteen nine, Man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. A great, a great verse on this dual nature that we really can't figure out. You don't try to sort out, okay, when's my responsibility start and when's God's, don't do that. It's not, not helpful. You plan your way, the Lord will direct your steps. That's it. So you can get up in the morning, you pray, Lord, Lord what if I do it today? And you go ahead and do it, fine. And the Lord will direct your steps. Being sensitive to the Lord as you go through the day, being led by the Spirit, of course. That's understood. Philippians two twelve thirteen is another great one. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's a command. You are today, tomorrow, this week, the rest of your life, going to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and that means a whole lot of things. I'm not going to go into that now. For it is God. Next part is verse thirteen. It's God who is at work in you to will and to work for His good pleasure. That's His sovereignty. He is working in you, giving you both. The, the willingness to do it and the ability, the desire, and the grace, the power. Yes, you work out your salvation knowing that I'm working in you. Wonderful truth. Well, next week we'll talk more about God's sovereignty, but I want to and look more at specifics. But I want you to finish by looking at just one psalm, and this relates to your assignment for the week. A simple assignment. Psalm 99. Verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Psalm 93, Psalm 97, Psalm 99 all start with that phrase, the Lord reigns. Your assignment, read through this. Look at, look at, look at the aspects of God's character that are shown here. How does God show himself his character? Look at, look at what God is sovereign over. And again, he reigns. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. So with that, let's pray, and we'll continue on have our communion time. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. Thank you for your great love and mercy, the truth about you being sovereign. You being God, and most comforting and encouraging and humbling truth. I pray for each one of us here, Lord, that we understand this, that we, yes, we are to work out our salvation, but you're sovereign. But, Lord, let this give us a, a good view of, of, of you in this. Let us be ones who are still. We, we need to be still. We can be running around way too much. We need to be still. Whether we're just taking a walk outside or sitting in a chair someplace, be still. and Think about you and your sovereignty. Help us, Lord, to review our life, to review our weeks, to be meditating and thinking, and we will be encouraged. Things aren't just happening because you're in charge. So, Father, you have your way with us. You lead us. You help each of us. Thank you again for this church here, what you're doing, each of our lives. Thank you for Myrna being here today. has some ailments, Lord. and Pray for Carol. She's still going through chemo. Pray for Carol Holland, too, Lord. Help her to be able to walk, Lord, better than she is. Pray for Lillian to recover from broken bone the meniscus tear in her leg just all these and others but thank you that you're faithful to everyone here but lead us god again as a church and all that you have for us thank you for bethel for their church for the leadership god to bless them lead them and the plans you have for them as well but thank you again lord for this time now we just want to pray all this in jesus name Amen. this time the musicians can come up
0: first Sunday of every month, we have the opportunity to enjoy the Lord's Supper and remember. But it's not a memorial service of a dead Savior who paid for our sins and he's gone now. It's a remembering, alive Redeemer who's now at the very right hand of God. So it's We're doing this again and again and again until he comes to continue to remember what has been done for us. This is a great hymn of remembrance of the grace and mercy that God has given us through Jesus Christ that we'll be remembering in this Lord's Supper now. Amazing grace. Would you stand as we sing the song together? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.
1: Amazing grace is how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me But now I am found was blind but now I see Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears really How precious did
4: that grace,
1: appear, the hour I first believed, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, tis grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home, when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. be seated
3: during our communion time here I just want to review a couple thoughts we talked about last week if you remember we were talking about how jesus is the bread of life and 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 the idea of jesus being the bread of life is that you know bread you know it's food right physical bread physical food satisfies you it should be nutritious it should be good for your health your body that's what god wants so we're talking here about the bread of life meaning that jesus christ wants to spiritually satisfy us he wants to give us what is good and and it's it's the idea that that when we talk about salvation it's yes what christ did and we're remembering that today but also man he really wanted to bless us and and so this one one hand is one of the best phrases with his salvation he's the bread of life you know we talk about being eternal life or living water but the bread of life it's spiritual food. And, and the thing, I, I want to read these few verses. I read some of them last week. And, and he's talking more of an evangelistic way here in these verses. Hey, people need to come to me. They need to believe. But the thing I want to say as, as we have this time now is, is Jesus is always the bread of life. He's, he's the bread of life for those who become believers. He's the bread of life for those who are saved all the time. He is the bread of life. So with that, I'm just going to read these verses here. Uh first John six thirty five. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Verse forty eight. I am the bread of life, verse fifty to fifty one. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's interesting, you know, the forever words there. You'll live forever. That is, we're being satisfied by the Lord during our life here as believers, but for all eternity. We continue, uh, verse 52 to 58. It says, uh, verse verse 53. Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the Father ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So, so the thing I want to say to you is, we take this bread, this juice, Think of it this way: Thank you, Jesus, for dying me, dying for me. But also, thank you that you give me this life, that you satisfy me now and forever and ever. So let it be symbolic of that. Again, as I mentioned last week, this isn't, as some people say, the actual body of Christ; it's just a symbol, symbolic of the, of the truth that Jesus is our life. So, uh, with that, let's let's first take a minute, like we always do, just to pray silently, search your heart, have our heart right before Him, and then we'll take the bread and the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us the salvation that you have given us, Lord. We think of how, because of what you did, Christ Jesus Christ dying for us on the cross, paying for all our sins, and even here as we think about our lives, we we might only think about a few of our sins, but all the sins, and we do things that aren't right every day, but everything's forgiven, past, present, and future, and we thank you, Lord, for that, and thank you that because of what you've done for us, will come a, die, a day when we are perfect and will never sin again. No more weeping, no more sorrow, no more sin. I we can't we can't wait for that. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your willingness to suffer and die. Thank you, then, that Father, you raised Him from the dead. Thank you, Lord, so much for Holy Spirit for working in our lives, for bringing salvation to us. So we just want to bless you now. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter eleven. Verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying... This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, again, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us, your great love. A great love, a deep love, an everlasting love, a constant love. It's a wonderful truth, Lord, and it's because of, of what you've did, done for us. Help us, Lord, to live on day by day, week by week, being strengthened, being nourished by our relationship with you, by the spiritual bread that you give us all the time, through your word, through your spirit. We thank you for that. And so just lead us now. Each and one of us might be drawing closer and closer to you as time goes on and then for all eternity. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of uh, announcements here. You look at your bulletin. Um, I, I write, I rewrite the, you know, the bulletin. Marsha types it up. But as you see, June second and June third is already passed. So ignore June second and June third. There, sometimes mistakes happen. Uh, Prophecy Bible study this Wednesday. They're having Vacation Bible School here, which I'll get to in a minute. But we're still going to meet. And at the end of this building, and you want to go on? The, I think I'm not sure it's the last door, or the second last door. They'll go through there, and there'll be this big conference room. That's what we're going to meet, okay? There'll be a lot of people here, a lot of things going on. But on one hand, I, I, for those of you here, you, you can see what God is doing. They have 60 children or so signed up and all kinds of things happening. So it's very encouraging. So that prophecy, Bible study, in Isaiah, end of this building here, that conference from there on the left side, right back there. Now, VBS, Vacation Bible School, I uh, want you to be praying for that time. It's, it's one of the major events that uh, Bethel has. Uh, during the course of the year, they are actively trying to reach out to the children. And so I want you to be praying. If you can be praying every day for this, pray for the teachers, pray for the children, pray for everything to go smoothly. There's a lot of things that need to happen, a lot of things in place. And so it's going to be going from 6 to, I think, around 9. Is, is that right, Tommy? 6 to 9, I think, during this week, Monday through Friday. So, again, be praying for that. And a workday coming up on June 17th. Then next week, of course, we'll continue on God's sovereignty and forgiving thank you for all your giving god indeed helps us to keep going financially and there's a box back there to give also you can give online or you can send a check into the church so but at this time I want to recognize one person that damien alfonso can come up here damien come up here damien's a graduate i told him i got 30 minutes to talk about him i said no i'm not gonna do that i won't punish him that way that's a few things and he said he has a couple things to say, too, so I have no idea. I didn't look at his notes, so I'm sure it'll be good. But let me talk first, and he can talk, then we'll pray for him, okay? Um, I met Damien, how was it, seven years? When, when did you come, Marta? 2015, 2016? 2015? So I've known him for eight years. He's a little kid then, okay? A little kid, about this tall, fourth grade, you know, and he's grown up, you can see. But uh, God has kept him going and he just graduated this, what, a week ago or so, and finished all grade school and high school, and indeed, I'm sure it was arduous at times, and, and so but he is here. I, I think of that verse in 1 Samuel 7, thus far the Lord has brought me. We we come to points in our life, and it's good to look back, to reflect. That's what was going on in that First Samuel 7. And then it's good to look ahead. And so that's what we're saying. Looking back, God has blessed, God has worked. I've been in their house a number of times done different bible studies and so it's encouraging just knowing that god's going to lead him and his family as well so uh, i just want to share that he's thinking for the future what he's going to do he's thinking about i think real estate possibly so pray for that for him my father was in real estate i'm not sure if i told you that damien he was in real estate years and years ago out in las vegas and here in tampa so we'll see but pray again the lord leads because sometimes we have ideas of what we want to do and change things that happened to me uh, so pray that God will lead him in the way that that he wants him to go. I heard this statistic, and I know that you're a Gen Zer. Gen Zers are born, what, after 2000? After, after something? 97, okay. Okay, so, but, but you'll understand the point. Millennials, you know, they were started, what, in the 80s, and then they went to 96. So the, the stat on millennials is, is not good. It's not a good stat. And it's to basically, hate pray for Damien and all children is that 96% of millennials do not have a world view. That is do not consider this book is applicable to their lives as to how they should live in the world. 96. It's a Barna study. You know, it's a study. I mean all this survey. The 1940s and 50s 90% of the people in this country they say the greatest generation ever believed in God. Things have changed. So we need to pray because that's what's most important for Damien and every other young person as they understand God, they know God. The verses I'll read here then. Damien will share then, I'll pray. Is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You probably know them. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Very important. Remember your creator. The last verse of that chapter says this. The last two verses. Conclusion. When all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. A lot of things, a lot of decisions going through life. Conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments, for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Strong verses. So, I wasn't sure what to give Damien, so this is maybe, it's a real thing, but it's also symbolic, but it's a little New Testament, okay? Now, Damien's got a smartphone. I'm sure you got it on yours in your chair, okay? Now, what's more important? Smartphone? Or this? This. Now, you will say, well, I, I got an app for the Bible in my smartphone. But the problem with that is your smartphone's right there. and You hear this little ping. Oh, who's, who's writing me now? Who's texting me? Oh, you're distracted. The Bible is embedded in the little smartphone, and smartphones aren't always so smart. Lesson's very simple. This is about the size of a smartphone. I mean, not quite, but you can see. Put it in your pocket. That's why I like you to have this so you can put it in your pocket. You know, you have a big Bible, you're not going to haul this wherever you go, right? You're not going to do that. You can do this God's Word. I'd encourage you to read it every day so you can make those verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 true, okay? Fear God and keep His commandments. So, Damien, your chance. Your
4: time. Uh, I'm very nervous, so, like, if I stutter, please don't make fun of me. Uh, I'd like to start by saying thank you to the people who supported me in my seven or eight years here. Um, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but school was hell. Uh, anybody who says otherwise, um, you're a nerd. Um, my last couple of years at school were long and draining. I got senior burnout from my, my sophomore year. Um... And the only thing that really like kept me going was was theater. But um, even me graduating, I'm not happy to to graduate. The reason why is as I was sitting there in my chair, waiting for my row to be called up and for me to sit, uh, for me to get my diploma. I was sitting there. I was like, Jesus Christ! I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. As Pastor Steve said, I'm I'm going to be doing real estate. But even with that, I still don't really feel like what I'm doing is right, or whatever I'm doing is like, what I'm doing is the right thing, you know. Um, I never actually said this to anybody before, not even my own family, purely because of that verse where it's like, oh, the anxious, the anxious thoughts verse. That's not what I really want to want to hear. I want to hear like comfort, and that's not entirely comforting to me, to be honest. Um, even with those anxious thoughts and everything that 's going on with me, I still feel like i 'm going to live long I'm still going like live happy. Um, I'll be living on my own sometime this year, and school taught me a lot of things and one thing that I learned on my own was I still got to get back up I still got to like you know keep on going i can 't like give up. It sounds corny, but you know so yeah, thanks to everybody who who actually cared for me, who actually like, had my back, and, um, uh, and a special thanks to uh, my best friend and my future roommate, uh, Sam Walsh. Thank you. So, so.
3: Father, thank you for your great love. Lord, he get in your word, he love your word, he'd be living by the truths of God's word as he? said most.
0: Last hymn, Um, a great way to leave as we're thinking about the sovereignty of God. You're going to be walking out of here with the immortal, invisible, only wise God to walk with us this week and lead us. Immortal, invisible.
1: Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Unresting, unhasting, And silent as light Nor wanting, wanting, nor wasting Thou rulest in might Thy justice like like mountains High soaring above Thy clouds which are fountains Of goodness and and love To all life Thou givest do both great and small In our life Thou livest The true life of all We blossom and flourish As leaves on the tree And wither and perish But naught changeth Thee Great Father of glory Pure Father of light Thine angels adore Thee, all veiling their sight. All praise we would render, all help us to see. Tis only the splendor of light hideth Thee.
3: From Jeremiah 10, verse 10. The Lord is the true God, He is the living God, and the everlasting King. Amen. Ha, ha, ha.